Hello and welcome to My Soul Delights with Eileen O'Driscoll and Joyce and Joy. My Soul Delights is a program of faith in which we explore various faith topics and also include some intermittent short reflective features for your own quiet time and prayer. In My Soul Delights we are exploring the beauty of our Christian faith and the way in which God's love reaches out to each one of us in a deep and personal way to restore our hearts and to renew this world. In this episode of My Soul Delights, we are going to share with you on the theme of Easter and all that surrounds the amazing Easter mystery, which is the high point of the Church's year and of our Catholic faith, a time that celebrates new life and the great power of God. But just before we begin, we invite you to join us in prayer and we will share with you a short reflection. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Saint Mary Magdalene, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Christ is alive. He is our hope. And in a wonderful way, he brings you to our world. And everything he touches becomes young, new, full of life. The very first words, then, that I would like to say to every young Christian are these. Christ is alive and he wants you to be alive. He is in you, he is with you, and he never abandons you. However far you may wander, he is always there, the risen one. He calls you and he waits for you to return to him and start over again. When you feel you are growing old, out of resentment or fear, doubt or failure, He will always be there to restore your strength and your hope. Those words are taken from the words of Pope Francis, from Christus Vivit, which is Christ is alive. So Jai, I will pass over to you to open up this episode and to share some of your thoughts with us. Sure, thank you, Eileen, and thanks to all our supporters and listeners for your prayers and support as always. And uh, what a beautiful reflection there to ponder uh, Christus vivit, Christ is alive. It came in a very appropriate time and uh, Pope Francis emphasizing that again and uh, reassuring the flock that Christ is alive, which reminds me uh, of a famous homily by St. Jose Maria Escriva uh, in his book, Christ is Passing By. You know, it's a collection of homilies by Saint, future Saint, Back then, he was very popular for his homilies, so the collection is called Christ is Passing By. In that, there is a section, chapter called 
Christ's presence in Christians. So he highlights the same. Christ is alive. This is the great truth which fills our faith with meaning. Jesus, who died on the cross, has risen. He has triumphed over death. He has overcome sorrow, anguish, and the power of darkness. Do not be terrified. Was how the angels greeted the woman who came to the tomb. Do not be terrified. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Easter is a time of joy, a joy not confined to this period of the liturgical year, for it should always be present in the Christian's heart. For Christ is alive. He is not someone who has gone, someone who existed for a time and then passed on, leaving us a wonderful example and a great memory. No, Christ is alive. Jesus is the Emmanuel. God with us. His resurrection shows us that God does not abandon his own. He promised he would not. Can a woman forget her baby that is still unweaned? Pity no longer the son she bore in her womb. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. And he has kept his promise. His delight is still be with the sons and daughters of men. Yeah, so those are the reassuring words and promises uh, by Jos Maria Escriva, reminding us of God's promise and restoring that hope of a Christian. The, the way the ladies were told, uh, you know, by the angels, that the one you're looking for is not here, he is risen, which we will celebrate always in our hearts, the Paschal mystery, the Easter mystery, the hope of a Christian soul, always. Great. Thank you so much, Joy. Yeah, it's a beautiful mystery. And I think there are no adequate words to really describe the fullness of the Easter mystery and just the immense joy, hope and new life that it promises us, you know, that, that God is not limited. And in fact, that God overcomes all, uh, just like the words of Jesus, you know, do not be afraid. I have overcome the world. And that he gives us that strength, that hope, and promises us that new life, uh, just through even reflecting on those very days um, of the Easter mystery, which we as Christians uh, carry with us in our hearts all the time, because that is the greatest hope that we can have. So I think there is no amount of human language that can really fully express the depth of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So maybe I would just like to share with you uh, one of the things maybe I would like to start with is, you know, that idea of Christ fully giving of himself. And I know the incarnation, um, in a way, it shows this, that the God so humbled himself that he he became human. And through the Son of God, he enters into all of humanity, uh, you know, just like water uh, rushing down to the deepest, the lowest places and raising it up again. But in another way, at Easter, we see how God gives him gives of himself uh, fully. You know, there is no limit to his love. There is no conditions to his love. And the incredible thing is that he does it for all people. It's a universal act for all nations. 
that God comes, though he is in, in one physical place at that particular time, Christ is walking the, the streets of uh, Jerusalem, of the Holy Land. Uh, he's out in the countryside in his ministry and his preaching. And uh, Calvary is in that land of the Holy Land. But yet his act is universal. It's not confined to a physical place. And I think this is the one of the great mysteries, too, that we try to comprehend with human minds is that, you know, juxtaposition of eternity and time, I suppose, because in some ways we're quite limited by time. You know, our whole day revolves around time and putting things into slots. But with Christ, though he he was here in a, a physical place and happened within a particular time in history, what he does is for all of eternity, no matter what generation we live in, that we are meant to be in the time that we are in because of God's own foresight and wisdom in the way that he envisaged and created the world. So therefore, anything that he does uh, affects us right now. And, and I think that's one of the incredible things that we learn about our Catholic faith is that it really puts us in touch with that mystery that no matter what time we live in or uh, what generation we are in, that because of the the sacraments and the whole life of the church and because of Christ having fully given of himself, we are actually put into that real presence of that mystery, which is uh, so incredible. And I would like to share with you, um, because of that, some words on the Eucharist, which is a full giving of Jesus of himself for all. So I would love to share with you some words on that now. So these words on the Liturgy of the Mass or the Eucharist is by Father Michael Gately, who is an author and a priest with the Marian Fathers. And he says that experience in speaking of the Mass of heaven on earth is hidden under the veil of a sacrament. It is a worship that points to and makes manifest the divine worship of heaven through the poverty of signs and symbols wrought by human hands. And while the Mass truly does make present the sublime worship of heaven, our eyes remain blind to the myriad of angels praising the Lord, the countless throngs of saints gathered around the altar, and the overwhelming glory of our Saviour, giving himself over to our loving and merciful Father. And yet through the Mass, we truly and fully participate in that mystery. Through the Mass, we perfectly love God with borrowed, infinite love, the divine love of the Son for the Father. So it's with that very love, the divine love of Jesus for the Father, that he saves us, that he, he gives everything for us um, in this beautiful act of redemption for all of humanity, because no merits of our own would ever be sufficient. So Christ fully gives of himself uh, for the whole of humanity. And in that, he accomplishes a victory over death, over sin, over all evil, which is incredible because he took all that upon himself for us, for all generations. And it's it's such a, an incredible mystery, really, to reflect upon. 
there are just a few words from my side, Joy. I'll pass back to you again. Beautiful piece there that ties in very nicely with my next reflective piece here. Again, from Jos Maria Escriva uh, from his homily collection, Christ is passing by. In a special way, Christ stays with us in the daily offering of the Holy Eucharist. That is why the Mass is the center and source of Christian life. In each and every Mass, the complete Christ, head and body, is present. For Christ is the way. He is the mediator. In Him, we find everything. Outside of Him, our life is empty. In Jesus Christ and taught by Him, we dare to say, Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. We dare to call the Lord of heaven and earth our Father. The presence of the living Christ in the host is the guarantee, the source and the culmination of his presence in the world. Christ is alive in Christians. Our faith teaches us that man in the state of grace is divinized, filled with God. We are men and women not angels. We are flesh and blood, people with sentiments and passions, with sorrows and joys. And this divinization affects everything human. It is a sort of foretaste of the final resurrection. Christ has risen from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also comes resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made to life. So we see then how the the Holy Eucharist uh, and uh, through the mystery of the Holy Mass, the body and blood of Christ is being celebrated and reminded to each and every generation again and again that the beautiful mystery and the Eucharist that Jesus himself instituted during his last supper, a very, very, very emotionally a demanding situation for Jesus to reveal that he won't be around for a long time, that he will be taken into custody and he will be crucified and he will be buried after his death. So this is a big shocking news for the apostles. But then he asked them and through them, he is asking us to celebrate and to remember the mystery of the Holy Mass and the Paschal celebration and all of that that he gave to the apostles for us to celebrate and pass it on to the next generation in his memory. Because he said, do this in my memory. And that's exactly what he did along with the apostles, which we share, uh, which we pass it on to the next generation as well. The beautiful mystery of the Holy Mass, which is the very life-giving source of a Christian soul, we can say. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you, Joy. Absolutely. It's so true because, you know, like in the Gospels, Jesus says so clearly, this is my body, which is given for you. Uh, he's completely direct when he says that uh, there's no no questioning his words. And then, of course, it's further revealed in the subsequent days what he means. But even just going into the very heart of Jesus, you know, what did he feel in that moment when he says this, you know, this is my body given for you, this is my blood given for you. Again, uh, why we believe that in the Eucharist there is the true presence of Jesus, that he, he is literally uh, giving us his heart. And we see that as also in Christ's own death and resurrection for us as well. 
And I would just like to maybe share a little bit on that, you know, the great humility of Jesus. So first of all, I'd like to share with you just from St. Ignatius of Antioch. He was one of the early church fathers and he spoke about the Eucharist as being the medicine of immortality. Uh, you know, it's a great medicine for the soul or spiritual balm. And of course, the very essence of life itself, it's our life source. Um, and of course, for all of humanity, all of humanity are welcomed into this encounter with Jesus uh, through baptism, because that is what the Lord wants in order to give us fullness of life. And one of the most beautiful lines in the Gospels is when Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Uh, there's no reservation with God. There's no reservations or limits, um, but, but he just wants to give us that abundance of life. But the crucial point is that the choice is ours and how we respond. And even in the very Easter mystery, we see how, you know, the different ways the disciples responded, uh, the way that they loved Jesus, the way they followed him. You know, they were taken by his every word, uh, wondering what different uh, things meant that he said. But yet we see how they were also tested, even in that Good Friday scene. Uh, they suddenly became afraid and fear took over. And we can very much see here how fear is not of God, because, you know, even one of the most zealous of the disciples, Peter, um, uh, who who really loved the Lord and, um, you know, had earlier said, uh, you know, you were the Christ, the son of the living God. But in that moment when the Roman guards uh, took seize of Jesus, uh, you know, there was fear there and he denied Jesus three times uh, or disowned him, claiming that he did not know him. And this was what fear did. But Christ comes to vanquish all fear because it's the opposite to his life in fullness that he wants to give us. And so is why he gives us fully his body in the Eucharist. Um, but he's also saying that he thirsts for us. And this is something we've reflected on before. Um, as Mother Teresa also has this lovely reflection on I thirst um, in a previous episode. But Christ's own thirst for us reveals his humility, that God is so humble that he would give all for us uh, just to have us also to share our hearts with him together. And uh, a nice quote, I think, that sums it up really to try and make sense of it all, why God would choose this way uh, to do this, is a quote by Joseph Langford. And the words are very beautiful because though they are short and concise, I think they really hit the point and the purpose of why God acts in this way. He says, though nothing in God needs us, everything in God wants us. And I think maybe those words somehow speak for themselves. Well, maybe just to give an image of that, you know, the blood and water that gushes from the heart of Jesus in order to give us life and to give us his joy and to give us his love and fullness of life. So uh, that will come to my next point in a moment about the resurrection. Uh, Joy, I'll pass back to you. Very nice, very nice. Some very deep pondering and reflection there, some reflective piece and uh, nicely leads into the meditation and the reflection during the holy season. You know, and I was thinking about uh, what happened when Jesus rose and what happened, you know, the, the immediate effect would have been because 
the Roman army was known as a mighty army. And after all of this, why did Jesus do this? You know, facing a big life threat and no one wanted to end up in a cross. It, is, it seems like one of the most, one of the toughest uh, way to die in those days. So no one wanted to do it and Jesus knew this is going to be the end and this is how it's going to be. Then even then, uh, he went on to fulfill that mission, not for his own, but for the whole world on account of our sin to save us from that sin. So what, why did he do that? Uh, resurrection gives us some highlighter or pointer to ponder on those things. You know, a small meditation from the Magnificat. Uh, this goes back, way back to March 2016. But a small meditation by Father Richard Veras uh, says, you know, Jesus rose. He rose for his sinless mother. He rose for his betraying friend Peter. He rose for the tax collectors and sinners who believed in him as well as for the Pharisees who rejected him and the soldiers who killed him and mocked him. His resurrection is a fact. Where is my heart in front of the fact of the resurrection? Our hearts should rejoice because now it is abundantly clear that our salvation does not have to do with our own goodness or badness, but with Jesus Christ, who has victory over death and evil. The risen Jesus invites us into life. Our hearts need only say, yes, Lord. Lovely. Thank you very much, Joy, for sharing that. That's a lovely uh, way to, you know, reflect on the resurrection. Even just thinking about that moment of the resurrection, you know, as it actually happened when Jesus rose from the tomb, how incredible that must have been, you know, like, uh, like St. Paul says, uh, no eye has seen nor ear heard uh, that which God has planned for those who love him. And just thinking about that in terms of the resurrection, I mean, what a glorious moment that must have been. What a triumphant moment uh, seeing the risen Lord rise from the tomb, the power of God raising him up, that triumphant victory over everything, all by the grace of God, by his own divinity and by the power of love. Um, it's such an amazing moment really to reflect on because, you know, no, I had seen that. Of course, uh, the disciples, as you shared their joy, and the, the Marys, as they described them in the Gospels, had come to the tomb and seen that the stone was rolled back and that it was emptied. And of course, uh, in the Gospels describes, you know, the angel who comes to reveal the message that Christ is risen. But it's an incredible scene. And then afterwards, of course, they do encounter uh, the risen Jesus the great power of God that makes that possible because only God can raise up new life. And this is really the hope of our Christian faith. This is the crucial uh, point of our Christian faith is that this life is just a journey towards our next life, a new life in all its glory. Even seeing the body of the risen Lord and all that he could do through his glorified body, through that risen body, gives us a great hope you know what God makes possible in the next life as well and I would just like to share with you just um, maybe a few thoughts on that you know how our God is the God of life and also just some words from Jesus in the gospels you know where he sheds light on this on the resurrection when he says I am the way the truth and the life 
Um, another passage from John's Gospel, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And it's true that vine that the branches have life. Another one that we shared earlier, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And also when he appears to the disciples as the risen Lord, he always greets them with peace, saying, peace be with you. Um, also very important, uh, that dimension of peace, because it's only in true peace that we can discern in any decisions we have to make. Uh, peace is very important and uh, peace comes from God as well. But I think the words here of uh, Pope Benedict XVI, Pope Emeritus um, Benedict XVI, uh, from many years back in 2012, one of his homilies from Holy Saturday in St. Peter's Square, really, I think it captures the essence of this, the resurrection, the new creation, as he says, and the new life, you know, the new dawn, that next morning when you wake up, it's the new dawn, it's the beginning again. Um, the beginning of new life, a humanity that is restored and redeemed. So Benedict XVI said, Easter is the feast of the new creation. Jesus is risen and dies no more. He has opened the door to a new life, one that no longer knows illness and death. He has taken mankind up into God himself. Then um, he describes light. So Christ is the light as well. The light of the world uh, shines out of the darkness. He says light makes life possible. It makes encounter possible. It makes communication possible. It makes knowledge, access to reality and to truth possible. And insofar as it makes knowledge possible, it makes freedom and progress possible. Light, then, is also an expression of the good that both is and creates brightness. It is daylight which makes it possible for us to act. To say that God created light means that God created the world as a space for knowledge and truth, as a space for encounter and freedom, as a space for good and for love. So it's through the light that God brought all into existence. And then in the very words of Jesus himself, he says, I am the light of the world. And that's the light that we want our eyes to be drawn towards in this uh, incredible mystery. So, uh, Jai, I'll pass back to you again. Thank you. That's a beautiful piece and very deep meditation from uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI there, which ties in with uh, a different reflection of his uh, in my list here. And uh, he mm -hmm. highlighted about Easter. Easter is concerned with something unimaginable. Initially, the event of Easter comes to us solely through the word, not through the senses. So it is all the more important for us to be won over by the immensity of this word. Since, however, we can only think by employing sense images, the faith of the church has always translated the Easter message into symbols which point to the things that the word cannot express. The symbol of light, including the fire, plays a special part, the praise of the paschal candle, a symbol of life in the midst of the darkened church, is actually a praise of him who proved victor over death. Thus, the event of long ago is translated into our present time, where light conquers darkness, something of the resurrection 
takes place. The consecration of water focuses on another element of creation used as a symbol of the resurrection. Water can be a threat, a weapon of death, but the living spring water means fruitfulness, building oases of life in the middle of the desert. Then there is a third symbol of a very different kind, the song Alleluias. The solemn singing of the Paschal liturgy shows that the human voice, as well as crying, groaning, lamenting, speaking, can also sing. Moreover, the fact that man is able to summon the voice of creation and transform them into harmony, does this not give us a marvelous intimation of the transformations which we too, with creation, can undergo? Is it not a wonderful sign of that hope which enables us to anticipate what is to come and also to receive it here and now? Nor is the season at which Easter is celebrated a chance matter either. Yet the Jewish Passover, the Christian Easter, has its roots far back in the history of religions, in the realm of the so-called natural religions. And he goes on, so it's a, it's a very deep, a reflective piece, uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI highlights, and he brings in all the sacramental element of the church and how they remind us, and they are good to be there, and how they remind uh, generation after generation the Paschal mystery and uh, always the light uh, symbolizing Jesus Christ, the light of the world, and the way the purifying water, the, the holy water that we have in the churches and also in the homes, and always the first thing to bless ourselves in terms of any illness or any other bad dreams or things. And then uh, he, he went on to connect it with the Jewish Passover then, uh, you know, as Jesus would have celebrated the great Passover where the Lord uh, sent his angel in Israel to save the people and divide the good and the bad, which Jesus himself said, no, which will take place in the end in the book of Revelation. That's captured, you know, the good ones and the bad ones will be divided and will be judged accordingly by him, which is a great mystery in itself that how that will take place uh, in, in God's time, you know. But this is a wonderful opportunity to reflect the mystery of Easter and also that all that Jesus has promised and the way he is still with us, as he promised to uh, the apostles that I am with you always until the very end of age. Very nice. Yeah, I love that quote. I'm with you always until the end of time. Just so nice. And I just to conclude, just thinking of that image, you know, uh, often that we associate with the new life, you know, that image of an egg cracking open um, and new life coming, you know, and of course, that is often connected with Easter. But, uh, you know, it is sometimes it has to break out of that darkness to be exposed to the light and new life. And for us within our soul, you know, Christ makes that possible, uh, coming out of ourselves, drawing closer to him and to his heart. And also then through that being given new life as well in the resurrection. And that's our hope always, uh, you know, forever that we're moving always uh, towards our eternal home and that great joy that awaits us. And every day is an opportunity also to experience that new life as well so um it's great <laughs> yes so therefore we can sing okay so therefore we can say as jp2 said we are an easter people and alleluia is our song 
So we hope you enjoyed this episode of My Soul Delights and wish you every blessing. And we look forward to being back with you again soon. God bless you. God bless you.